podcast in the world from WWE to DNA Impact by way of the NWA. It's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all new episode starts in this. Is revving it up. Welcome back to Reffing It Up. I am RJ. I am joined by the two greatest referees of all time, first and foremost, from the Great White North, Mr. Jimmy Corderas, and the always Southern gentleman. Mr. Brian Hebner. But first, Jimmy, how are we doing, man? Uh, doing well so far. It's so good because we aren't the white north just yet. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's, always, it's always the white north. <laughs> yeah, it, it will be eventually, but uh, so far, so good. When you don't have to shovel your drive snow from your driveway to get the car out, everything's good. Always. Brian, what's up, buddy? Uh, not a lot, dude. I'm... Um... Super stoked about this show, and I know I say that often, but I really truly am this time. Um, not that I haven't been before, but mm-hmm. I cannot wait to unleash uh, SoCal Val this week. Uh, the people that don't know her personally, as far as how she is outside of the ring, are going to find out that she is one funny son of a gun. Um, I'm just excited, excited about this mm-hmm. this uh, uh, podcast today. So I'm ready to yeah. get rocking, man. And my weather, I, I know we like touching on the weather and. and it's getting a little chilly here, Jimmy. Are you throwing that shit down here? Hey, we gotta send it somewhere, bro. <laughs> Jeez. Well, it comes to it comes to me first, and I throw it down there. Actually, it's supposed to be like sixty up here uh, Thursday for, or excuse me, almost probably tomorrow to Friday and back down to the forties here. So degrees, uh, anyways. Just pass it along. <laughs> <laughs> keep it going. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah. But anyways, something we will keep going on too is our first count this is your one count last week a uh past guest friend of the show raj giri uh sent out a tweet x whatever you want to call it online uh RJ, reading rj do not say x it's twitter oh, huh. well sorry I, I i i was channeling my inner daniel spencer sorry Hey, at least I didn't say tick. At least I didn't say TikTok. If you said TikTok, oh. I would have, I would have slug rocked your face. God, I hate that. Oh. There you go. There's a mail order punch to the face. There you go. You can you come up with your new business there, Brian. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I'm staying, we get out, I'm staying out of this one. I'm staying out Jimmy, of this one. Jimmy's yeah. staying out. Hey, well, hey, yep. part, partial impartial third uh, party. Uh, but he uh, sent out a tweet. Uh, saying, and I quote, at E. Bischoff, Eric Bischoff, earlier this year predicted that NXT would be beating AEW by the end of the year. I dis, uh, discredit or disregarded it, but last week NXT was almost even with Dynamite in the demo and beat it in the 18-34. to 34, And it easily beat Rampage and Collision combined in total viewers. The man knows. Uh, so that was from Raj on the 12th of November. Uh, so, gentlemen, uh, Jimmy, you, something that you're you, you do a lot with Wrestling Inc. You know, you do a lot of the recap shows. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of these shows. I, 
are you surprised uh, that it is getting a little bit closer? That is NXT to um, AEW Dynamite. Uh, yes and no. The no part is because obviously WWE has been sending down some talent from the quote unquote main roster. If you consider NXT still developmental territory, I know WWE wants to consider it a third brand, but at the end of the day, yes, they are technically a developmental territory to prep everyone for raw slash SmackDown. Uh, that being said, um, the problem with AEW that I'm still seeing, and I know people are going to jump on me, oh, here goes the WWE guy he hates. I don't dislike AEW. I just want them to start to cater to a broader audience. They are catering to a core, hardcore, diehard fan. And yes, they're buying into their stuff and they're loving it. But at the same time, it, it, I, again, yeah, I know it's an old school term, casual fans, but uh, someone who may have you know, gone away from wrestling for a little bit. You're going to draw them back in somehow. Uh, and they have done it at times, but right now they just seem to be in this steady, let's cater to our core audience kind of thing. And I think that's what's hurting them right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not shocked at all. Um, I'm, I'm actually... I'm actually kind of mad about it, to be honest with you. I really am. Um, I expected AEW to really be that that force that could push the main roster, as Jimmy said, uh, Raw and SmackDown. I, I figured they would be the show that pushed that and the much bigger than an NXT kind of thing. But, you know, watching that show week in and week out, to me, it's a very, very stale product right now. It's a product that basically, as Jimmy says, caters to that hardcore fan. And just does things for the sake of doing them. In other words, they just constantly. Now, now this may be my age showing, and that's okay. I, I'm not embarrassed by my age. But what I am saying is that there's so many guys that they get brought onto that show who they feel as these big wrestling. Like I, I, I don't know, how to explain it. Like a lot of the Japan guys and things like that, and they put them on TV and they promote them and they say they're going to put them in a match against so and so, and it means nothing to me. Nothing. There's no buildup. There's nothing to it. It's just I just think right now that these three shows they have is not good right now because I think that it's making them very stale. And, you know, the prediction that that Eric Bischoff made was honestly a good one, but a easily one to to do because of the fact that, you know, it's been stale. They're not bringing in a new audience. They're not growing. The audience is not growing. It's actually declining as you watch week after week after week. Not only that, you look at take ticket sales. Um, that's showing you too. You get to one area and they boom, they do well. AW does really, really well. So say they come to Richmond and they draw 8,000 people. The problem is because of the product they're putting out right now, if they come back to Richmond a year later, I guarantee you it's half. So now we're looking at 4,000 people. And if you look at that one thing, one time, RJ, I need to get you to put it in. I think it's called WrestleTix. But anyway, mm-hmm. they, yeah, okay. They showed these numbers. Yeah. And they're stacked. WWE is growing every time they go back into a market. Every time. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that. I have not seen them have a decline in their ticket sales. I'm actually seeing it only grow. Where AEW, they do really, really well in one town. And then when they come back to it, they don't do half as well. And I think that shows with their TV product. It's the same thing. I mean, they they haven't hit a million viewers in quite quite a few times. I mean, like, yeah. I don't even know how long 
been, but a million viewers for them has been shit forever ago. They're at that 850 to 900 and then lower. I mean, it's just, it, it just shows that there's not enough hardcore people to keep your rating where you want it. Well, and you, and you say going back to a lot of these markets, whether it be Richmond or uh, across up to the uh, lovely country of Ontario, Canada, going up to the mm -hmm. Toronto, Montreal, where the, you know, that was the stronghold for years and it still is for the WWE. I couldn't tell you the last time I've seen an AEW show come up here to the Northeast. It's either out west of California, down south. And I get it. You go into your strongholds. I get that. But you want more audiences go to other uh, other cities. Go ahead, Jimmy. No, no. It's just uh, it goes back to the that uh, I hate to sound like very repetitive. But yes, there is something to having uh, a match advertiser saying, oh, so-and-so versus so-and-so. That'll be a good match. But at the same time, what drives people to their television sets? What drives people to buy tickets are wanting to see specific individuals. They want to see the person. Give me a reason to want to see you other than, oh, yeah, he's going to have a good match. Yeah, we know he's so-and-so and so-and-so. -and -so. There are a lot of guys who are good in the ring out there. But let me get invested in the person, the character. I, 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 I can go there and say, hey, I know so-and-so and so-and-so are going to have a good match. Couldn't care less who wins because I know they're going to have a good match. That's not what this is about. You want people to go and say, hey, this guy's ticking me off. You want characters. This, I, yes, we know what wrestling is a work, so to speak. But there is that suspension of disbelief. When you when you watch a movie on TV, do you go, oh, I know that can't be real? Mm -hmm. No, you 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 get involved uh, again. Suspension of disbelief, and that's what people are doing. They're going to shows as as critics as opposed to fans who just want to be entertained. Yeah, it goes along the same lines of uh, your reffing uh, rant this morning, um, Jimmy. Was your talk about Otis and massively over, but he keeps on losing, and he's they're not building anything with him. On the other side, so you know, you're you we're talking about AEW, talking about it on the on the WWE side too with Otis, mm -hmm. fantastic talent, getting over a hundred and ten percent. The whole Alpha Academy is, but there's no you you build up story, 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 and then it flops. So right. I, I I think it's across the board. Hopefully, it's yeah. one of those things where they got something in the wings for uh, for some of these people because they definitely deserve to be uh, be on camera. Mm -hmm. Hey, listen up. Mm -hmm. What, I want to stress this too, though, and I really want our listeners to understand this. I know it sounds like Jimmy and myself, RJ's kind of the neutral guy, and that's basically that's the way he's supposed to be, but it sounds like we're beating up on AEW. I, I, I'm not beating up on them. I really, 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 really want them to succeed and succeed at a big, high rate. I'm just telling you the truth is all I'm telling you, and if you AEW fans get mad at me, then you're not looking at the same shit I am. All I'm saying to you is when you're starting to lose to NXT, which is a third tier part of WWE, and both of your shows that are on Friday and Saturday are losing to NXT easily in the demo, you got to sit back and think about something. Because that means that you're not getting that hardcore audience in that age group. You're not doing something right. That's all I'm saying. All I want you to do as AEW, as a company, I want you to fix it. I want to enjoy your success as well. Mm -hmm. You know, 
That, that's all I'm saying. It's not a beat up AEW show. That, that's not what we do. What we do here is we, we we just call out things that are obvious. It's all we do, as Jimmy would say, tighten some screws. And these screws are loose as fuck right now. That's all I'm saying. They just need to be tightened. That's all I'm saying. There's some things, too, on WWE that I could not put, you know, too. But guess what? They're not dropping in, in these ratings at a rate that they are. So that's all I want to say. I want to stress that to you guys. Don't get mad at me. I'm just stating the facts. I can crack my, I can back my facts up too as well. So I just want you to know that. The numbers don't lie. They don't. Uh, no. Uh, somebody, something else I wanted to bring up, uh, Brian, uh, to you specifically, uh, was we saw some news break about a past guest of this uh, show, uh, Ziggy Dice, uh, according to House of Wrestling, um, learned that weeks before uh, David Lagana's controversy play out, uh, Ziggy Dice was contacted out of the blue, quote unquote, by then WWE executive director of Raw, Paul Heyman. Uh, Heyman expressed his admiration for what a young talent was doing uh, in the ring and online uh, at that time with Twitch um, and wanted him to bring him in as a uh, producer for Raw. Um, obviously, we've seen it play out a little bit for uh, one Nick Aldis. Uh, he is now the on-screen uh, general manager of SmackDown. Uh, Brian, you know, Ziggy Dice, very talented guy. Like him, don't like him. It's neither here nor there at this point. But very talented in whatever he does. Uh, I really wasn't surprised, too surprised to see that WWE and Paul Heyman was uh, was interested in bringing him in. I'm not either. Um, if you ever sit down with Ziggy Dice, you're going to realize that that is a smart man. He's a smart, smart guy. Knows how to market. And I don't mean just himself. Just market shows that he's on and things like that. And he knows a lot. He knows a lot. He just hasn't gotten that break, that big break he's ever desired, you know? And that's the thing. But there's so many people that are talented that people don't know backstage. Ziggy Dice is one of those. I wasn't shocked at all when I saw this on our run sheet. I'm looking at I, I never saw it until it was on the run sheet that we're doing for the show today. But I just, I, I, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. He would be a hell of a hand anywhere. And if people are seeing this, AEW, you might want to pay attention. Impact, you might want to pay attention, even though he's been there for, you know, quite a couple, few cups of coffee. Uh, mm -hmm. But very talented guy, man. He could do a lot of things for you. Inside, outside the ring, he's a very serious wrestler. He's a very comedic wrestler. And he comes up with all his own shit. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Ziggy Dice is going to have a long time in this business to be something. Just don't know what that is. Yeah, in front of the camera, behind the camera, it doesn't matter. He's like you said, he's definitely talented. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, we, we heard that. Go back and listen to that uh episode we did with him uh in our archives. Um, but uh Jimmy, this uh mm -hmm. past Monday we saw uh, had an anniversary of a, a very uh, sad day in professional wrestling. Uh, but I still want to get both of your guys' opinion or thoughts on the said wrestler that passed away mm -hmm. 18 years ago on Monday was Eddie Guerrero. Uh, age of 37, hard to believe it was 18 years ago, uh, 2005. Oh. Uh, Jimmy, I, you know, worked with him quite a bit. You saw him come in there when you're over on, uh, on raw, when he came in as part of the radicals there in Oh one, um, and then worked with him throughout SmackDown too. But man, mm -hmm. it just, it, it still hits you, still hits you hard now, nowadays. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely does. And, and for me too, 
Yeah, Eddie was special because uh, I'm not going to pretend we were best friends, but we developed a relationship, a really good relationship. We became buddies. And I, I don't want to say I was as close to him as the radicals were, but, you know, he he helped me so much throughout my career. He helped me find me uh, it, it, because, uh, for lack of a better term, and to make it uh, a long story short, I used to be... Uh, sketchy about adding my 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 two cents when i was going over a match and listening to guys talk about the match and then i remember one time i was doing a match with eddie and he looked at me he goes what i said why do you talk about it? he says i saw that look you had something hit you i said yeah something came to my mind he goes what is it i said are you sure you want to hear it? he says yeah you tell me what it, you know so i told him what it was and he liked the idea and he used it in the match he says when you have an idea just respectfully go, go, guys, do you mind if I suggest something here or something like that? And since then, you know, he helped me come out of that shell. And I still remember the day that he passed, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, of all the people, uh, Derek, who is the merchandise guy, lovingly referred to as Pumpkinhead. You know, when I arrived at the arena, I, I felt something was wrong, but I couldn't understand it. And he came up to me and he says, hey, is it true what they said about Eddie? I said, what are you talking about? He says, there's a rumor going around that he that he passed. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it hit me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And I know it hit a lot of people that way. And, it, man, to this day, I still think about him as you it, it, if you could see behind me on the wall here. I've got mm -hmm. my my Eddie pictures and stuff like that. It's kind of my little tribute to him. You know, I have some fun stories of that I recall from him over the years I got to work with him, but that day will live in infamy for me as, as uh, I, I felt like I lost a family member that day. And Brian, you know, you worked uh, one of the most famous matches that Eddie ever had uh, in, in WWE. The, uh, the match that he beat Brock Lesnar for his uh, first there WWE championship there at, uh, I believe that was uh, No Way Out in um, 2004. Um, and, and then you, you continue to work with him at SmackDown, but just what an absolute talent. You know, we talked about him many times here on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, un unlike Jimmy, um, I, and I don't want to speak for Jimmy, but um, I, I was actually very, very close with Eddie, uh, very close. I um, actually had the honor of driving him around and things like that, and Jimmy, as you know, I was married to him for uh, for close to a year doing this tag series they had with the um, Kurt Angle's boys. Um, yeah. Shelton and Benjamin Shelton. and, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I was married. Nobody particularly wanted to uh, volunteer to jump into that that mess at the, at the beginning. But, uh, but it was where I learned the most about refereeing. It's where I learned the most about how to be a good referee. It's where I learned how to communicate with wrestlers in the ring, outside the ring. It's where I learned how to be able to work with talent at a different level. Um, and it was all because of Eddie. And then it became where Eddie just wanted me because he knew me and he knew how I thought and how he was able to, as Jimmy said, get out of my shell, voice my opinions, say what I needed to say. It was him that did that for me. And, you know, I, I was watching uh, or flipping through Twitter the other day or the, yesterday, I guess. 
Um, and they had this tribute video. I got through about four seconds of it and had to had to had to get away from it because uh, I literally started to cry um, because it was so touching because of the things I saw. Hold on, give me a minute. Mm -hmm. But uh, just a loss, huge in the wrestling world. And um, I love you, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, definitely, awesome. a man, yeah definitely a man that will uh, live yeah. in all and, our brains and, and, and hearts forever. And, Go ahead, Jimmy. I'm sorry. and it, no, just it, again, like, it was such a hard time, and people uh, don't remember that we did the. We did the SmackDown that night, which was a tri tribute show to Eddie. And, you know, I was honored to referee the match between Triple H and the late Chris Benoit, which was special for me. And, and I just uh, also people forget that right after that, we left to go overseas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did the overseas trip. Uh, it, we went to the UK and man, that was tough. Every night, you know, the 10 bell salute and all that stuff going on for for our fallen brother you know what i mean it was it was and and like brian said eddie gave of himself to others so much and helped others so much he helped brian like brian said he helped me it's just the kind of guy he was the tough the toughest part for me is you know i guess it's kind of like every death but it's just like why you know that's the thing it's just like mm -hmm. why right uh, mm -hmm. But it's life, guys. It is. It's life. And it's a part of life that actually really, really sucks. And we have to move on, man. You know, we have, we have to move on and, and, and never forget. But 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 we need to still move forward, you know. And I think Eddie would want everyone to move forward. Right. And uh, he, he he would hate this. He would hate us talking like this. He would hate <laughs> Absolutely. Us. I mean, he, he was that guy. He just was that guy. Um, yeah. And you talk about a lucky um person such as myself to be able to go around the country with this guy in my car and just listen to the knowledge that he was able to give me um the things he had to go through it was just amazing and i just feel so so lucky that we became really good friends um he would when he sobered up he would offer to come pick me up at, at a bar or whatever it may be and i was like no eddie I, you know i've got to ride and he'd go if you get in that car and you get in there and you do this i swear to god i'm gonna beat your ass uh, it was, it was just, you know, that's the way he was just a, just a happy go lucky guy, man. It just sucks. Um, you know, once again, it's part of life and, uh, we got to move on. Like I said, Eddie would hate this part. So Eddie, yeah. again, I love you buddy. And, um, nothing yeah. but good thing. Absolutely. Well, why don't we move on to our Refn review? This is Refn review. We try to do this each and every, you know, a few weeks, every month or so uh, to this, talk about the state of professional wrestling, refereeing. Um, Jimmy, we try not to, as you say, you know, knock too many things down, but build things up. Um, right. We're seeing a lot of stuff nowadays, but what's a couple of things that you've seen over the last, you know, you know, few few weeks, few days, whatnot in uh, in all of professional mm -hmm. wrestling refereeing. I know, I know, and and this is one of the things that, like Brian said, we people seem to think we pick on AEW their refereeing, and 
in our in my opinion at least deservedly so a lot of times you know for certain things but even this past monday night on raw i saw a couple of times situations where uh it was it almost felt like an afterthought ah referee distraction here um you know let the one thing the car the word, uh, the phrasing that really bothers me right now, sorry, I can't even spit this out. It's got me so <laughs> wild up, is referees, referees' discretion. Mm-hmm. The referee's discretion should apply to uh, very rarely, so to speak, in certain matches. Uh, he, you know, whether he fudges the numbers on account, outside the ring, inside the ring, when someone's against the ropes, makes someone break, whatever the case may be. But the the big thing that's got me really riled up now is the referee distraction and something going on behind his back. It's just happening far, far too often. And this past Monday, you had one situation where guy was banned from ringside. Ref, he came back to to um, uh, Vinci from Imperium, mm-hmm. yeah. and then he came back and took out uh, Johnny Gargano at ringside with the referee looking right at him. And not doing anything about it, you know. Hey, you're not supposed to be here, and it just makes him look weak. And the heat goes to the wrong guy again. It goes to the referee as opposed to going on the top. If he does it and then tries to hide, at least make it look like it because it distracted uh, uh, Champa, who got rolled up. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it's just making putting the heat on the wrong person, and it seems. I, I hate to use this term. It feels like lazy booking. Yeah. Well, for me, um, I'm with Jimmy. Um, my my frustration is is basically, I just feel like referees are in the ring now at this point in, in days. Like they're just in the ring to count three and look like fucking idiots. Um, and I truly believe that this is because I truly, truly, truly believe this, with an exception of a very few. The referees don't know how to change shit. They, in other words, they don't see that it looks the way it looks. They don't go to their people and say, you know, hey, you know, this is going to do this and this is how I'm going to look because they don't know. They don't know. And listen, Jimmy, you're right. A lot of this, too, I'll blame on the agents. I don't think the it's, it's called lazy. They're doing it just to, to, to satisfy the match and satisfy the finish. It's just it, the state of refereeing right now fucking blows. OK, it blows. That's where it's at. Mm-hmm. And it's all around, all the way around, okay? And just in general, all the way around. Some are worse than others. I don't want to keep burying the bone, but boner, whatever. Um, (laughs) But if you want to bury your boner, you can use a promo code REFIN at BlueChew.com and get (laughs) BlueChew for only $5 when you pay for shipping. It's not a sponsor this week, gentlemen, but I saw the opportunity and I sprung at it. Anyways, go ahead, Brian. It ought to make be a be a sponsor every week. It makes your wood good. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you made me lose my train of thought. Um, but anyway, uh, no. <laughs> well, but anyway. Know, we were con- constructive criticism with the state of wrestling, but uh, excuse me, refereeing in wrestling. But Jimmy, what are the like one, two possible good things, positive things that you're seeing in in any company from referees? Uh, uh, I wish I could point something out that specifically. I'm trying to, because those ones, when I see those little things that really irk me, 
They stand mm -hmm. out so much, it almost overshadows when you see, okay, this referee is doing a good job. He's saying in the background, he's enforcing rules and he's making guys like a, um, there was one, I wish I could remember exactly which match it was, where the referee was making an emphatic count when the wrestlers were outside the ring and someone had to roll in to break the count and roll back out. They did a roll in, roll out to reset mm -hmm. the count. Little things like that, that's all it takes. you know. And it's okay for the referee to tell the guys, hey, if you guys are going to go out there and do all that stuff, you know, I, I'm going to count loud for you, but, you know, if you can find a spot to roll in and roll back out to kind of break up the count or whatever the case may be, I, I think they're afraid to communicate. And the other mm -hmm. thing that's got me irked and I'm getting off topic here is the, the dead giveaways on false finishes. Mm. I'm, I'm uh, like, I, like I said before, I'm not going to point them out here because if I do, then people will notice them. I don't want them to notice them you know, too much, but I, I see them and maybe it's because, you know, that's my job, but yeah, uh, it, it, it irks me. They got to be more consistent with their cadence and their counts. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't see much positivity at all as far as that goes, that department. I actually think, like I said, I think refereeing at this point in, 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 in wrestling is the miserable shits. I, I just think so. Um, and I don't see any improving because... Jimmy, they're not they're not training these referees how to do false finishes anymore. It's a very fucking apparent. Mm -hmm. No, I I hear exactly what you're saying. And and like like I said, I see dead giveaways. And I've told this story before where we were watching when some SummerSlam was up here in Toronto and we were doing our show up here that we did on the network here uh, on the TV show. And I was sitting with our, our, our producer slash director and he goes, oh, I thought that was it. I went, no, I knew it wasn't. He says, yeah, but you know the, the ending to the match. I said, no, I don't know the ending. I just know the tell of the referee he goes what's the tell i said i don't want to tell you he says come on please tell me i said okay i'll tell you so i told him what it was and after that he says oh i can't unsee that now i said that's why i don't like to make it public because then you can't unsee it anymore and you know that it's not the finish and it takes away from the you know the anticipation of going oh they had me there you know right it's it's like you said jimmy and then i know we need to move on but um it, when you see a good match that a referee does, you almost like forget that they had a good match because you're so used to watching all the other shit that's fucking horrible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, that's why it's so rare. And uh, I don't know, man. The question you asked, RJ, it, where, where are we at the state of refereeing right now at this point in the wrestling world? It's the fucking miserable shits. That's where it is. I wouldn't expect anything less, gentlemen. In our reference review, yes, I, yeah, I, I, I know. Hey, but that's you know, I, I, I like poking that bear sometimes. You know, I like poke, taking the stick and <clears throat> jabbing it in the gut a little bit. But um, something that we all three have been definitely looking forward to uh, is bringing in our special guest, the lovely SoCal Vale, is up next. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit plan. The holiday season can be hectic, and that's where HelloFresh's 15-minute meals come in. These quick fixes help you get the wholesome meal on the table in less time than it takes to get the delivery. 
Everyone wants to cut back on errands and spending time in checkout lines this time of year. So skip that extra grocery store trip and instead get fresh ingredients and delicious recipes delivered with HelloFresh. Just pick your meals, decide on a delivery date, and sit back. In case you missed it, HelloFresh is so much more than delicious dinners. HelloFresh can help take the hassle out of every mealtime occasion with easy breakfasts, quick lunches, and snacks all delivered along with your weekly box. You see, my mom has gotten it, I've gotten it, my dad's gotten it, and each and every time, all of us absolutely love it. So head over to HelloFresh.com slash free and use the promo code free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box with subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash free with code free. R-E-F-I-N-F-R-E-E. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners from around the world, I want to welcome in one of my most dearing people that I have ever worked with. She is not only beautiful, but if you think I don't give a shit, wait till you hear her. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to bring in the beautiful SoCal Val. Val, welcome to the show. You are on mute and you unmuted. Yes. Yes. (laughs) What an intro. That's my favorite intro I've ever been given in my life. It was beautiful. Really? And truthful. It is truthful. Yeah. I don't need a fudge, man. So let's Mm. just stay at the gate. Tell me how many fucks you give. Zero, 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 none. To quote the song by Erica Jane. And yes, I went there. Oh, <laughs> the song. Oh, I'll send you the link after, Bri. Don't worry. Okay. I think I have oh. that. I, I think I have it in, uh, I have like bookmarked, I think. How oh, many Fs do I give? It's very addictive. Oh, you, know what I do give enough, you know what I do give enough about? Having having Val on the show and getting to see you after all this time. It's been I, a long time. It's been so long, and I am honored, you guys. I was so honored that you would ask, and I said, we've got to have you guys on Gaw TV at some point. We'll get there, but I am so thrilled that you would even ask me, because, I mean, y'all are such legends and have done so much for wrestling, and I I, I love you both, so I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And yeah, RJ, God. nice to and, virtually and I, meet you. And I'm, <laughs> and I, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm here, too. I, I'm, I'm just the uh, I'm the guy that pushes <laughs> the buttons. That, that, that's, uh... You're the glue, RJ. You're the glue. Let's put Aww. it that way. Well, that, that's the, honestly, like blue, get it? I'm, I'll, I'll take it. I've been called worse. Trust me. And I just been called worse today. Anyways. Um, that's beside the point. Uh, no, but absolutely love, love God, God TV. Before you get in your career, I just have to tell you that it's, uh, it's with, between yourself and Mickey and, um, and Lisa just absolutely phenomenal. You get different aspects. You get yours. It's like, it's, it's unreal. I, I I love it. I love looking forward to it every week on YouTube or every time it comes out. And then, um, you know, just looking forward to the future of that, really. 
Thank you so much. It's so much fun. You know, so Grown Ass Women TV, as, as we call it for short, God TV, we just really wanted it to be a slumber party with cocktails. And, and with every interview that we've done, we've had so many ones that are, you know, we don't know the people or it turns into clickbait or it's so serious or it's repetitive. We were like, let's just have it like we're literally just chatting with our friends in our pajamas. That was the whole point of having it this casual setting with slumber party vibes and pajamas. And, you know, not that we pressure anybody or judge. <laughs> we do off camera. Kidding. Uh, but we say, hey, if you want to have a cocktail, like let's let's get loosened up. It's just like we're hanging out after a show, like in a hotel room with a bunch, you know, it's just fun. And we wanted it to be a very girly female empowerment kind of a chat. But then we've also done different things as far as like having not just wrestling people on the show. We've had drag queens, we've had psychics, we've had paranormal experts and just stuff that interests us outside of wrestling. It's especially rewarding to see Lisa and Mickey have fans get to know them better because they see them as these, you know, these intangible wrestlers that are these strong care and they are strong, but they're also, you know, Mickey's a mom, you know, Lisa has a past of, she gets into all kinds of things she's done in her career before wrestling. So it's, it's interesting for the fans and it's rewarding for me for the fans to get to know them better, especially. Does, does Lisa still have a restaurant in Chicago? She doesn't. I went to that restaurant though. We had a TNA event there. Uh, by the way, how fun is it to be able to say TNA and not have to correct ourselves anymore? Awesome. Thank you oh. for that. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks for that, Scotty D. But yeah, she had a restaurant. I went there. The food was phenomenal. But she's out yep. in San Diego now, so she's not in the restaurant business anymore. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Well, I okay. Can't, can't wait, and I can't imagine being squeezed between three of my favorite chicks and being on a show. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be so fun, and it, it's literally like it's it's Red River vibes, and I know what you know what I'm talking about there, Behev, uh, because it's just <laughs> fun. And yes, we'll get into career things, and we ask people, you know, what do you want to promote? But at the same time, it's road stories and stuff that again we would be talking about in a bar, and we wanted that kind of vibe, so. So far, it's really fun. I think we're on 170 something episodes by now. So it's it's wow. a long haul. Tremendous, yeah. tremendous. But that's that, that's the fun of it. It's it's you go through the uh, those who are not uh, blessed to have been in this industry don't realize the camaraderie and the relationships that develop there. Yes, yeah. there's sometimes you know you have sometimes you have little spats with your with your siblings, and it happens on the road in 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 this business. But at the same time, it's almost like a traveling family. It is. And Lisa always points out so poignantly that we were with each other more than we were with our own families when we were traveling, you know, and, and really, really in the business at, at certain points. And it's so true. And, and I love that, again, I'm, I'm seeing the sides of them that I've always known, like the funny, you know, messages they'll send me or like the stuff that's outside of wrestling. The, the fans are now seeing that. They're seeing how funny both of them are. Like Lisa's the kookiest, like Le what Lisa brings to the show is this originality. She's so zany. Like one time I always go back to the story that we were, you know, we try to get people behind the scenes peeks at, at our lives, what we're doing. We have a Patreon, we have YouTube memberships, and we, you know, do different videos in our lives. Lisa, like, should have a reality show camera following her at all times. She just gets into such mischief and is so funny. And then Mickey, my God, what a boss, babe. I mean, she never stops. She's so, so hardworking as a mom. She's a wife. Now her husband's on the road even more. It's just, you know, she is a, the a definition of a grown-ass woman, for sure. So, Val, we've come to a point now that... um we have to actually go to work here. Ew. I know, I know, I know. Um, so I'm just going to start it this way, and then I'm going to let you fill in all the blanks because this is all about you. Um, so basically, you got into wrestling because you were simply at a show and was offered an approach by a promoter about the possibility of being a manager. Can you describe to me how this worked and where it went from there? Uh, well, thanks for the, for the little intro there. I will say that... Um, what I don't like about 
when when like the way that it's you know written on the internet for example like i try to i try to reiterate to people all the time and on the show i mark out all the time like i was a massive massive fan so that's people go how did you get into it you know i hear this all the time and i go i was a fan like i was attending shows on purpose i wanted to be in it and was obsessed with you know my my era was around like 99 2000 so i was the biggest am the biggest triple h fan of the world stephanie mcmahon my personal jesus you know that's my era 2000 <laughs> you know with, with the denim and the leather and the leather and the denim that triple h era and the hardys and edge and christian and the divas oh my god that was my stuff i wanted to be them but never really wanted to wrestle i wanted to be more like stephanie i thought i might wrestle a bit but i wanted to be you know i wanted to be more of a tory wilson than alita let's put it that way so I was a fan attending these indie shows and my friend, I told him, I said, I really want to be in wrestling. And he goes, oh, I know the promoter. So he said to the promoter, like that, that girl over there, she'd love to like manage if you need a girl, you know, to valet one of the guys. And people had already sort of message or were on message boards about me because I was attending these shows and they kept going, who's this chick with the legs? Because I would wear short skirts. I was 15 at the time. No, yeah, 15. And was really, really dressed up. And I just didn't really look like the average wrestling fan. So they were like, who's this girl? And then did my first show that was three days after my 16th birthday, 2002, in Anaheim, California, at a flea market. Love myself a flea market. And uh, great memories. And I managed, uh, funnily enough, um, TJ Perkins, who at the time was Pinoy Boy, in a match with Scott Lost. And I did a little heel turn, which was very Stephanie McMahon for me. So I was thrilled. Yeah, so it started at a at a beautiful flea market. Doesn't that sound romantic? So very much so. Oh, sorry, yeah. Brian. Uh, that's okay. One second. One second. Val, I know you know that I have kids, but do you know that I have two 14-year-old daughters that are about to be 15 years old? Could you please refrain from what you used to wear? Because I, know, I, right? I am a single dad, and I can tell you right now, I do not want to be in jail. Yeah, right. I, you know, I, I was I was always tastefully dressed, but it was always a short skirt. I was kind of Stacy Keeblering a little before Stacy Keebler was Keeblering, but then I ended we, up loving Stacy Keebler and got compared to her a lot. So that was like to totally the gimmick was the legs thing, you know. We we can't Stacy Keebler around this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Not at fifteen, I should have waited. You're right. Okay, All right, move on, something, Jimmy. I'm sorry, I had no, to get that out. no, no, because something something you said all got me very curious. Here because you know a lot of people who want to get into this industry like at the beginning when, when i want to get in I, I wanted to wrestle you know mm -hmm. what i mean that was my thing you you uh from a different standpoint didn't want to wrestle you wanted to get into other aspects of the industry so when you get into it to become a wrestler you go to a school and you train you take bumps and that sort of thing what kind of training did you start off with not wanting to wrestle but do the other uh, aspects of this industry yeah great question jimmy thank you um i I, I I think I thought I would wrestle more than I eventually did because I thought, you know, that I wanted to be more like a diva. So like in, in the same vein that the way Stephanie was more on the acting side of it, but would wrestle when the storyline called for it. So I kind of want mixed tags or like, I, I was about to say, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. And I talk about this all the time on God because I'm such a fan of the diva era. I wanted to do brawn panties matches. I wanted to do bikini contests and, oh my God, an evening gal match totally up my alley. I uh, just want to dress up, you know, that's all I want to do. And then, then get undressed apparently. So I loved that kind of stuff. And I, I knew I had to learn wrestling enough to like be able to bump correctly and things like that. So I did go to school for a bit um, in, in Florida, eventually a couple of years after I moved. And um, you know, I, I was 
trained on the spot at certain shows to do different things and different maneuvers. But I knew that I was never going to be going after a belt. And that really was, that was not for me. And then the more I did it, the more I realized that I just loved the talking aspect and not only the, the, the managing and the acting aspect, I was always a heel on the independent circuit always, which always surprises people. Cause I did the whole Jay lethal thing. And I was like the damsel in distress. And I was like, that's fun, but that is not the SoCal Val that, the character that I came up with. That's not me at all. The Sanjay version was very Val that I was used to doing on the indies while I was ring girling and stuff for TNA. But then I realized that really my passion lied in the hosting and presenting side of things, like being the host, having the microphone in hand, interviewing as well, but also just like hosting. And that's kind of where my career eventually went. And I thought this is cool because I can do it outside of wrestling as well. So do you prefer yourself as a baby face or a heel as, uh, as, as your SoCal Val kind of thing? Yeah. Oh my God. Heel. Like I, I literally, that's what was so weird to me is on every indie. Like I was just telling the story to one of our really probably the best heel in the UK. I mean, hands down, actually Spike Trevay is a, a guy in progress wrestling, our current champion. He's such a great heel. And I said, I just loved being a heel. And I, I was always, it, it came to me a little too naturally, but I, I loved the heel characters. I loved the bratty Stephanie McMahon character. And when they said, oh, you can be, we need to give you a name. It needs to be fancy because obviously, you know, you dress up and you're fancy. Maybe something with a V because that's fancy. And they said, well, you can't be Victoria. There's a Victoria. They said Vanessa. I was like, oh, I kind of like that. And then somebody said Valerie. And I remember being like, I don't like that name very much. And then my friend laughed and he goes, that's funny. We're in Southern California, SoCal. You could be SoCal Val. And it stuck for... I think I'm in my 22nd year in wrestling or so. It's just, it's, it's a name that I didn't think would, would last as long as it did, but TNA luckily and Terry Taylor, thanks to him, let me put it in my contract every time that that was my name. And yeah, always a heel always, you know, I had, I had the Missy Hyatt era where I was trying to, you know, swing the pocketbook and things like that. And I named myself after Valerie. I said, I have to have a last name if I model and do other things. So I named myself Valerie, which sounded like Stephanie. Gave my middle name uh, to honor Miss Elizabeth. So Valerie Elizabeth Wyndham and Wyndham because of a hotel chain to honor Missy Hyatt. Missy Hyatt was really who I loved studying. I mean, I loved Don Marie, Francine, but um, I had a lot of VHS tapes of them from eBay. But like a Missy Hyatt, old school Sonny and Stephanie kind of character. That was very much what I modeled the original so SoCal Val character as when I was managing. So you brought up the... Um the work you did with Sanjay and Jay yeah. um, just two of, if I say so myself and Brian and Jimmy can agree or disagree or what have you, but two of the great minds in professional wrestling currently past future um, working with them. You hear the adage of, Oh, it's, it's another day. It's a day off. Where, how, would you compare that to working with Jay and, and Sanjay when you did their the whole angle with them there and uh, TNA? Yeah, I mean, they are, first of all, it was the most fun I probably ever had. And I, I loved that we were able to get, you know, a spot on, on the on the show. You know, I, I was doing, I did like production assistant, then I was ring girl for ages, then I would do interviews and things like that here and there, but then they let me manage. And I was like, that's what I do, I'm a manager. Eventually that parlayed more into the hosting and that's what I found that. But like, I was really a manager. And because I was so young and was ring girl and was kind of like, you know, baby face Val at that point, didn't have much of a character because I wasn't a character. I was just there in a cute outfit. Um, but when they let me do that storyline, because the thing is, as a fan, my favorite storylines of all time, which I told Kurt Angle about, like, say, Ste uh, Kurt Angle, Stephanie and Triple H, that 
love triangle. That's I live for that. With all due respect to you know the physicality and the athleticism of wrestling, I live for the the soap opera aspect. That's what got me like to keep looking at the screen and like, what's going on now? Because my sister was watching and I was like, oh, it's for boys, it's sports. No, thank you. I have no males in my family. But when like she got a pie to the face or when the cat came out or when it was like feuding, I, I liked the soap opera aspect. So for me to get my first big storyline in a huge company at such a young age, I go, I'm not only getting this opportunity, but I'm getting to be in a love triangle. It's You couldn't have asked for anything more perfect for me. And I loved Miss Elizabeth and I loved portraying that kind of character too that was sweet and, you know, bashful and you know i did the ladder of love match in the beginning i was so kind of like timid and shy not my personality at all by the way not in real life but then to do the heel turn and then literally do that stuff very calculated on my part stephanie mcmahon-esque kind of smirk i felt like this is val like this is what i've always done i've always turned on people and and i had a socal slap i would you know hit people with my handbag or my hand or whatever and that really felt more like my element. I wish it would have lasted longer when I turned heel for Sanjay. But just the whole storyline altogether, the dates that we filmed, you know, we got to go around Universal and have these dates always that were Sanjay was like popping up and like interrupting us. And it was super awkward and funny. And Vince Russo, kudos to him. He gave us a lot of creative freedom too to like actually share ideas that were then used. Like that's kind of unheard of in some instances. So I was really grateful for him for that. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and you mentioned you, you you like doing the heel persona. And I find nowadays it's it's not a lost art, but it's more difficult to be a heel because as we've talked about on this show many times, fans have changed over the years and they they're they're more critiquish as opposed to sitting back and, and enjoying, you know, that suspension of disbelief. What is the most challenging thing you're finding? Or are you finding it challenging being a heel and getting the proper heel response you're supposed to get from the crowd as opposed to people going, you know what, I like that person as a heel. Yeah, and and, and the likable heel is it's a really weird polarizing thing, I think. Um, and so I I will say that I haven't really I'm trying to think the last time I actually managed. Now I do commentary, I do ring announcing, I do commentary is probably my favorite. Um, and then hosting and posting for Comic Cons and other things too. But as far as managing, I haven't done it in quite a while. But I remember when I first started that being a heel as kind of one of the only I was very often the only girl on the show so immediately they see a girl and it's ooh, they like you because you're in a hot outfit and you're a girl and you're <laughs> you ever heard the term water cooler hot it's like when somebody at the office is hot because she's the only girl in the office and then you take her outside of the office she's not that hot but she's water cooler hot you ever heard that that's <laughs> sort of <laughs> the wow. uh, the it's terrible but well you know like oh, there's Janine she's so hot it's like no she's just literally the only female and you know, 500 mile radius. Uh, no offense to Janine, whoever she is. Uh, but the point is, <laughs> that was funny for me to like, kind of have to get their attention off of that. And then, you know, then it's, then it's the, the cocky, belittling kind of, if I can say it like rich bitch mode that I would get into, but, a you know, but initially no, that you're sort of like, oh, it's, it's a girl on the show, especially smaller shows, you know, there's no other girls and the wrestler girls, they might have a match or, you know, if they're lucky, but for, for me to be so dressed up and purposely trying to look all dolled up, it's like, wait, you might like that. But then once I start speaking, you ain't going to like it. That was kind of the idea. Bow, have, have you ever considered, ever in your life, doing stand-up? Yes. And you know why? Because this is weird. So this is before I even, I, I host Comic Cons now. I do the panels now. That's like one of my main thing that I do in England other than wrestling. And... uh but I was signing at a show with John Schneider of Dukes of Hazard, who is so cool. And he was, he, he said that to me this is years ago, like in 2008 or something. 
And he said, he goes, you'd be really good at that. And I was like, well, he's a very talented actor. I said, I really appreciate that. And I said, hmm, because he said there was a girl from Playboy and I actually saw her perform. Uh, I believe her name is Tracy, a blonde Playboy gal. And she had some acting roles, but she does her own stand-up. And he said, that's kind of the shtick now. This was before we had like the, um, I'm trying to think of like, you know, comedians, I can't think of their names, you know, very kind of attractive female comedians that they kind of made fun of themselves and stuff like that. It was kind of like they had to be more like, self-deprecating and now it's changed a bit which i like i like that they embrace their femininity is my point and um i i thought about doing that it's i'd have a lot of fun stories it's just getting the format down and like all of that so i've considered it but maybe i should consider it more i i think you should because i think you're a perfect candidate i've, I've actually thought about it as well um we but do it. we should be together and get on there blow their minds away yeah, Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> Boom. I don't know which one you'd be or which one I'd be. I'm not going to go there, but I think we have something in the in. It's going to make some money right uh, now. All right, so we I'm have... going to. Hey, it, I'm it, sold. I'd buy a ticket. Yay! There's you one. Can be here until Friday. So be the hot. Jimmy could be the hot. Jimmy could be the hot open. Yeah. Oh. Okay. okay. You know, like but when late night talk you... show hosts have like a have like a um. Like who does Conan have? Everyone has like or like a Guillermo, and like they always oh, like right. them in the beginning, and like they're they're there doing stand up as well, yeah. but kind of like you know you could be that right. Uh, the unfortunate thing is if if you listen to the artist formerly known as Edge, uh, Adam Copeland, the rated R superstar, who says I am the king of dad jokes, so I don't know how funny I oh, would actually be. I love be, so. that. Well, I love hey. a, I love a wholesome joke too, so that would be perfect. <laughs> And then so we we that's how we hook him in, right? It's like oh, this is a wholesome show. Mm -hmm. Then Brian and I come out there, and it's like oh god. Yeah, it would be. Thank God there's an open. Thank God there's an open bar. That's all I got to say. Yeah, it would actually ahead, be Brian. pretty. It would be pretty raunchy, wouldn't it? Yeah, we're pretty. And that's the thing. It's like I don't think people expect that out, out of me either. And it's like I think if you know me, it's like there's a lot of <laughs> there's not dark humor, but you know, like I'm. I'm pretty, well, I could I could I could just pop in at the beginning and do the viewer discretion advised the bit and perfect. Then all legalities have been covered and we <laughs> yeah. can go in. There you go. If they do it before Gil uh, replays of Gilligan's Island, I'm sure that they really want it before your show. There you go. And I, and I love comedy too. Like I love Lucille Ball. Like I'm obsessed. And there's so many comedic actresses that I love. Like so that that's yeah, that's certainly something that I I look into a lot. And like honestly, I love Lucy's one of my favorite shows ever, and it's still funny to this day. That's how amazing yeah. she was. So you like Roseanne? What's that? Go ahead. I'm sorry. You like Roseanne Barr? No, I don't think we'd get along, she and I. No. I don't think we I don't think we'd be friends. I was never a Roseanne fan. Not just because of the wardrobe, which was clearly her fault, but also just, yeah, she's not my, you know, she's not my cup of tea. Mary Tyler Moore. Perfect. There you go. Yes. Will and Grace, you know, uh okay. Megan Mullally is one of my my heroes. Melissa McCarthy. There's so many good Kristen Wick. I'm a huge SNL fan. So like any of those people, I just worship. I mean, I love that show. I've, I've watched it from like this. My favorite era was like the Sherry O'Terry, mm -hmm. Molly Shannon era. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's so many talented women there. And I'm, I'm love, I love to see them thriving. You know, I love the, the female Ghostbusters movie with all of them. Oh, my God. I love them. Leslie Jones. Wow. Okay. So so here's where we're at. Fuck <laughs> that career. Fuck your career. Fuck it. Uh, wow. We, we, all right. No, no. We, we're now we're now ball TV. Bitches. I don't know what the fuck. What, what is it, Naval? What is it? Or, or it would be grown ass women. So we could be just ball would be like bitches ain't worthy. 
I don't know. <laughs> Today. <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. So okay, so so we're rolling. Yeah, there's your tagline. There's your tagline, Val. There's your tagline. Rolls right off the tongue. A little sexy too. There you go. I'm, rolling, I'm writing this. I'm writing this down right now. Good. <laughs> I, I, I already knew when I knew she was coming on. This was not going to be a formatted fucking show. I already knew. <laughs> I was hoping not. <laughs> Calling it well, over. That's it. Well, but that's a thing. That's a thing. When you when Brian you told me, I'm like. I'm like, all right, I'll go do research, but I'm pretty sure because I've seen oh, God. I'm like, mm, I don't think it's going to be a format. So I'm like, oh, what the heck? Dude, you we, know what? We make, we make notes, too, and it's just like there's too much to cover. There's almost like, hey, remember that one time I stole the I stole the pickle off your plate and you were pissed at me for two weeks? Like, these stories are just weird. That was right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's just too much silliness that we have to cover. No, but that's the beauty of this. When you can go just like off of something triggers you, <laughs> you know, somebody says something and you go, oh. That just reminded me of this. I, yeah. I love that better than, okay, next question. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and here's a funny little inside joke. Um, not joke. Actually, for real. Um, <laughs> I was, we were in Orlando, um, and it was a pay-per-view. And the referee before my match, which was the main event, which was a huge match. And I don't know. I think, Val, you can elaborate in a minute. I I think Val knew that I was going to get fucking my head taken off, I think. And the ref before me fucked up. And I won't mention any names. But Stifler. Uh, <laughs> Don't be like that to Stifler. I love Stifler. Yeah. I love him too, but he fucked up. <laughs> you, mean, you mean Big Wave Dave? I love him. We got to have him on God too. Let's just have a whole ref. Refamania. Dude, we're doing it. They're right there. Refamania oh. podcast. All you They're guys tra trademark that now. No, you have it. You have the WrestleMania month. There you go. That's even better. We already have WrestleMania. It's our charity initiative. Look it up. WrestleMania needs to be a thing. I'm going to tell the girls immediately after this call. There you go. So this was a huge cage match, and I was really uptight because uh, it was very big for us at that point in time. And Val came up to me while they were doing the the introductions on the screen, and she says to me, "Hey, buddy." She didn't, well, she tapped the ring. She tapped the ring like, hey, I want to talk to you. So I walk over there and she goes, hey, buddy, how are you? And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Why? Are you nervous? And I was like, Val, yes, I'm fucking nervous as fuck. And she goes, I have one word for you and you have to put it all together. And I'm like, what? She goes, ref it up, don't fuck it up. <laughs> ref it up, don't F it up. Yes. Yeah. I this day, use that hashtag for all my Instagram posts and all my wrestling posts on Twitter, and it's because of Val. I remember saying that to you all the time. Like when when I see or hear your name, that's what I think of is that is that phrase among others. So many funny stories, but I didn't know that, that was from me. Oh my god! And I'm hoping that what I was trying to do. It sounds like me, or maybe I'm just an idiot. That maybe I was trying to kind of like take your mind off it and ease it down a bit because it was probably a big weird moment. Mm -hmm. no, you know. No. Like no, when no. Jeff Hardy would come out and you would be like, hey, hey, you okay? <laughs> because I love Jeff Hardy. No <laughs> one knows it. And he would totally just like kill me. But it actually made me laugh and feel better because I was nervous to introduce like my favorite, you know, crush of all time. Jesus Christ. Who was that? Me? Yes. Oh. She said, Russ, she said, and, she said, wrestler, Brian. Yeah. I, she hasn't, never mind. You would always right. give okay. crap about Jeff Hardy. You would do that. And then your dad, <laughs> who we had on God TV, was awesome and lovely as, as usual. He would always say to me, 
and I won't curse, but he was like, he always would lean in. Sometimes he said it on the mic, but he'd go, take that effing wig off. And he said it so often that I was like, you're going to give me a reputation that everyone's going to think I can just go. Bleh. But every time he would in the ring, he'd say, take that wig. Stop playing around. Take that wig off. Val, Val why, why did you not want to cuss? I don't know. I, I don't on camera a lot. I, I was surprised I said bitch earlier. That's, I don't know. Well, you're not on camera, so fuck that. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't curse a lot. That's a, that's a very Canadian attitude you've got there, you know. Yeah. Just... <laughs> like like I have an edit button. Like I'm actually here visiting my mom, and like I might say like a smaller curse word, but you won't hear me not ever, but barely ever say the f word. Whereas if I say it in normal life, but mm. in front of my mom, I'm like, no, that's my mama. I gotta show respect. See, Brian Crine uh, uses it every other word. It seems like sometimes, you know. Well, or that's fine. Well, oh, sorry. in England, Ooh. it's the C word. And I'm not going to name names, oh. <laughs> but there are certain wrestlers. I've been <laughs> in a car with before that when I first moved there, I was like, oh, my God, it's such a biting, horrific. You don't hear it in America at all. My husband says it. And I come, he comes over here and I'm like, oh, my God, because over there, it's, it's 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 like nothing. And and he said it, I think, 38 times in like a two hour car ride. And I afterwards, it meant nothing because he said it so often that I just thought, eh. It's like saying the word radish, nothing. Right, right. No, I, like I, love ra I love radishes, oh, by the way. Oh, I, I want to know uh, what is the biggest, biggest difference for you, uh, the UK versus, you know, US for you Get, biggest... getting, getting acclimated. Let's put it that way. I don't feel acclimated. <laughs> it's been like almost seven years. <laughs> Uh, working on it? <laughs> I'm working on it. Honestly, the, the biggest struggle I have, and one of the it's and, and you miss the dumbest things from, from your home state, just like little things. The food. Mm. The food mm. is just, I mean, like give me some ranch dressing, give me some flavor, give me some hot sauce. Where's a taco? Where's a cheese it? I don't know. Not, <laughs> here, Not in this, you know, sawdust cardboard roast dinner with gravy on it every Sunday. What are we 85? It's a weird God bless them. But that they they don't they don't know what's going on. <laughs> It's they need some help. You, you can only take the kernel so much. Yeah, they need some help. Maybe they need some hamburger helper. Maybe they need some Velveeta. Maybe they need some Ooh. tacos. I mean, it's just I don't know. That's I struggle daily with the food. Don't understand low carbs. Everything's a white bread, potato. It's 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 a bit antiquated in the way that they. I'm just going to be honest. And the listeners from the UK, I love you. But I ain't from there, dude. And I need some ranch and some buffalo <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> nice. So I'm going to sum this count two up before we get to count three with just this. Because <laughs> this is the way to do this with, with Val. You've done a lot of shit. I've got this whole paper worth of shit to read and go over. And I'm not doing any of that shit. Fuck it. Ew. Here's what With all the stuff you've done, your notoriety your fame, your pleasure, I would assume, would be with TNA wrestling. <laughs> that, uh, uh, I didn't mean it like that. but <laughs> That's how I'm a five-year-old. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Red face. Will, will you do me a favor and just sum up your career to when you got to TNA and just say, hey, whatever you want to say, I guess? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, again, I want to go back to the fact that I, uh, with all due respect, people get into the business in very different ways. I have a lot of friends that were in, 
you know, they were fitness models that got into it. I'm just going to use females as, as an, as an example, or, you know, they were wives of, or they were girlfriends of, or rats of. Listen, I don't judge. The, the point is there's a lot of different ways to get in the business or the diva search, whatever. As long as you are considerate and you want to contribute to the business for the right reasons, I'm happy that, that you're there. But for me, it meant so much more to me and still means so much more to me that I was a fan. I like, you know, would eat, sleep and breathe wrestling, obsessed and, you know, dying to meet these people. I, I've, I've worked with pretty much everyone I've ever wanted to work with. I mean, I've worked with people like going back to a Jeff Hardy or a Jericho that, you know, I was literally outside with my little autograph book, which I still have you know, out waiting in the rain for autographs from wrestlers. Like I was a fan and I just had my sights set on being in wrestling and just, you know, made my own website before I was anybody to have a website. I, you know, I made my own little fan site, made my own, you know, was gluing, hot gluing, you know, bedazzled jewels onto bikinis from my TNA photo shoots and, you know, hoping like asking, can I please do a photo shoot? Can I please do this? I just want to contribute. And was met with some skepticism from wrestlers kind of going, okay, this is a girl that, what is she really here for? Does she just want to date a wrestler? What's the deal? And I just wanted to be involved and wanted to contribute to the show and just got, and I had the best seat in the house with TNA and thanks to people like Jeff Jarrett and Dixie and Jeremy Borash, who I was under the tutelage of for so many years, who I think is just brilliant um, and met so many, you know, friends for life, but overall, and I'm still, I'm still going, I'm still shocked that at 37, I am still my, still my main, source of income and my main job is still wrestling as someone who just loved and adored it as a, a teen. So for that reason, I I'm very proud of myself for that. And I had some people that believed in me along the way, Dave, it's a hottie people like that, but they're, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm a hustler and I did all the shows I could and, you know, sent out the emails and, you know, begged to be on shows and brought, you know, that's how I got the job with TNA. I brought my little VHS tapes of me managing and my little printed out resume on pink paper and would come to the shows, you know, excited to do it. So I worked very hard to get seen and noticed and respected. So the fact that I can still do wrestling as a living is a friggin' fairy tale. It's nuts. And I'm so, so grateful. I'm going to cry. What's going on here? Yeah. Oh, I'm emotional. We, we, no, we, I... do, we do that here. We're not all about, you know. Are you Oprah? This is this is upsetting. <laughs> All right, we're have a book of the. We're gonna have a book of the month for Oprah though, because that'd be fantastic. Hey, yeah. Jimmy's book. There you go. There you go. Boom. Bam. Yeah. Okay. The, let me put it out there. The three count. My there life in stripes as a there WWE referee. Life in stripes. <laughs> Why have I not read this yet? We'll, ha we'll no. have to get you on the show. And we'll, we'll have to like. We'll have you do a, a poetic reading. Oh, nice. The book. There you go. Well, uh, yeah, because uh, I mentioned him earlier, Adam Copeland, the former Edge, uh, it actually wrote the foreword for it. So, uh, oh, you know. is he not the loveliest dude and like the most talented? Oh, my God. It's it's oh, funny because yeah. we used to joke all the time about Hump when WrestleMania six was here in Toronto. He was in the crowd and I was in the ring refereeing. And then. Yeah, and the, the turnbuckle so pad cool. that I have in the background over there is actually from WrestleMania six from the ring. I kind of. Wow. Yeah. I love I love that he was a fan too. I remember they they showed some of Mark around that era, of course. Well, still am. They show like I love when they show people that were like these huge wrestlers now that when they were fans, they like they'll zoom in on the crowd and they were there. Like there's probably a lot of footage of me there as like a fan, you know, doing things. But he's so amazing. What's cool about I was Edge was one of my top favorites for you know my first several years in wrestling, still is one of my favorites, and got to meet him. By the way, one of the funniest people ever. He and Christian are hilarious in very different ways, though. You know, Christian's like mm. the dry, so funny. 
But what's cool about um, Edge now, Mr. Copeland, is that when I do Comic Cons, I get to interview people from Vikings all the time. So I'll say, oh my God, we have sort of a mutual friend and they and I've his reputation in the acting world of the few people that I've met that have worked with him is just stellar. So, so proud of his career in wrestling, but very cool to see him now on the Hollywood scene and just crushing it and making just a sterling, just as a sterling reputation as he had in wrestling now in the acting world. Very cool. Yeah. And very kind of you not to, to disclose that between the two of them, Edge and Christian, you know, Edge is basically the baby face and Christian is heel. Totally. Totally. Christian is one of the funniest. He's, he, you know who he's like? I always say he and Bobby Roode have similar humor that they don't speak a lot, but when they do, it's the timing, the comedic timing is perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stoic. Would one, say, would, would one say glorious? You would say glorious. Yes. Glorious. Yeah. And he can be scary as hell. He doesn't talk a lot, but when he does, mm-hmm. okay, great Bobby Roode story. Sitting around at the Yale house, as you do, Brian, because I'm literally like five minutes from it. And I never this I, lovely I, lady. Val, I've never been to the ale house. I don't go there. Oh, come on. Well, Friday's action for you. Well, Friday's <laughs> never showed up at the ale, ne- never had a zinger that you didn't like. Come on now. Um, and I don't know if he'll appreciate that I tell this story, but we're in it now and he ain't here to defend himself. So whatever, glorious. Uh, there was a, a <laughs> lovely lady that was at the table, just, just showing his sense of humor and like how you don't know he's going to be funny. And you're like, wait, what? She came over and um, this is a terrible story now that I think of it, but we're here. <laughs> and she couldn't really leave anybody alone. She didn't really get the social cues of like, dude, like, okay, we don't know you. She's at a table of all these people, Tracy, EY, Bobby, me, whatever. And she leaves and, uh, and she looked a little interesting look about her. And <laughs> everyone, everyone was complaining, but like, God, she was so, you know, why does she have to stay so long? She was so annoying and blah, blah, blah. And Bobby goes, yeah, yeah, she had, she had blue eyes. <laughs> you know, know what and like the table went something like she had blue eyes and he goes yeah man she had blue eyes one blue this way one blue the other way oh. <laughs> my god that oh. is the humor i'm talking about just oh, fighting and heelish but out of nowhere tremendous well with with that the humor is not oh. over because there's a lot more in store because when we come back in our third count, I have some critical questions I want to ask Val along with our fans. So we'll be back in our third count right now. This is your three count. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for our third count. And we want to thank SoCal Val for joining us. And this is the part of the show where we have a little bit of fun because we answer not only our questions, SoCal Val, that is, not we. SoCal Val not only answers our questions, but she's going to answer some of your questions. And I've got one here right now, if you don't mind me throwing it out there, from someone you may know, uh, goes by the name of Tracy Brooks. Does that sound familiar to you? Never (laughs) heard of her in my life. That is my girl. That's my BF. I love her so much. She does have a question, though. She wants to know, who is your favorite TNA knockout to shoot with? You know what, even, and I'm going to be dead honest, uh, even if this was not a Tracy question, I would definitely say Tracy. Now, Lisa and I had a lot of fun too. Uh, so it's, it's it's probably, I should say it's a tie because not only did I love shooting with Tracy and shooting with Lisa, and we had so much fun on like Halloween shoots and things like that. But the reason I'll say them is that they, maybe Lisa more than Tracy because she didn't like doing as as much, but they loved, like we wanted to shoot. And we used to joke with Gail. Gail was like, 
I want to wrestle and that's it. I don't want to do these photo shoots, blah, blah, blah. And we were the, I was the opposite. I'm like, I, I don't want to wrestle. I bruise like a peach. I want to do my photo shoots. <laughs> and Tracy and Lisa indulged me in that. We got to do different themes and yeah. So Tracy, but also maybe a first runner up, Lisa Marie Varen. I am so calling bullshit. <laughs> Why? Tracy books answers as a question, and then you answer it with her. Give me a break. What do y'all work in the fucking? Well, system? you know why. Also, let's. I'm just gonna be real honest because also there wasn't a lot of other knockouts that I shot with. Those were the only two that would indulge me and go. I'll shoot with Val because I'm like, hey, does anyone do a photo shoot? I have these towels. We pretend we're in the locker room, like say by the bell style, and they were like, okay. So at least <laughs> Tracy and Lisa indulged my wanting to shoot constantly, and a big shout out to Lee South. My God, the most fabulous photographer in the whole world. So we have a question here from uh, Paul Gray he says, now that you're doing the co-hosting circuit combined with all the cities you have visited in your wrestling career, what city do you enjoy the most and why is it Toronto? And when are you coming back? I knew he was from Toronto. I, 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 I really do like to reply to people online and stuff. And I love Paul. Thank you, Paul. Um, I have no plans. You know, my, when I come back to the States, because for those listening that might not know, because some people don't, they're like, hey, how long have you been in England? Almost seven years, a very long time. So when I come home, I come home to Orlando, Florida. That's not my hometown. I was born in Texas and lived in five states. A little bit of SoCal time, hence the name. But um, Orlando, Florida is home for me. And I'm actually home right now. But, you know, when I do shows, they're always professional wrestling shows or their wrestling signings. And they're always on the East Coast. They're always in New York or Philly or that area. It's actually going to be true for me in December. I'm doing Milwaukee Blizzard Brawl. I'm doing signings in New York and New Jersey. Uh, and then Icons of Wrestling, just to plug that, um, on the 16th, it's a December in Philly. So none of the shows ever call for me to go to Toronto. But actually, off the air, and these guys can attest to this, I was saying that I love Toronto. I would move there. I always say it's like, and I love New York, but I say it's a friendlier, cleaner, nicer New York. And I <laughs> spend a lot of time there, thanks to Bert the Hurt and... Um, did a lot of shows in Timmins. They let me come early. I did a lot of fashion shoots there. It's just a thriving, gorgeous metropolis of kindness. I love it. So hopefully one day, but nothing in the plans yet, unfortunately. Well, thank you for putting Toronto over so big. But uh, so Bert the Hurt is the one guy. Uh, you are the one person who likes Bert the Hurt. Okay. I am. It's me. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Toronto produced Trish Stratus. What else do you need to know about Toronto? It's a beautiful, magical place. Hello. And Jimmy. And yeah. Jimmy. And, and, and Jimmy also. <laughs> Jimmy K and Trish Stratus. Trish, both both of uh, Mediterranean DNA as well, too. I did not know that. Yeah. Should have known with, with the last name. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that Stratus faction was Greek, but I'm going to look into it. Well, yeah. Translated. It's it, yeah. Yeah. Part of the alphabet, okay. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Al, I, I pay a lot of attention when I'm out by the ring, a lot. Um, yes, I can multitask. I'm actually considered a good referee nowadays, um, yeah. as opposed to the, uh, anyway. Um, but I pay attention. And this question comes from somebody you may know. His name is Brian fucking Hebner. Oh. Yeah. And um, I want to know... How scary was it for you being at ringside when Bully Ray came out for his entrance? Oh, my gosh. You know, the entrance was scary. I think the interviews were worse 
And people ask me that a lot because they remember things that were said by one Bully Ray that were shockingly allowed to air. I'm not going to repeat these things, but give it a goog, okay? Give it a goog. No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. We are uncensored. I want to fuck. No, 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 no. Okay, there's one, there's one <laughs> interview. I wish this wasn't a podcast. You could see me hiding my face with my hair right now. Uh, there's one interview where he says, and I quote, and this is as raunchy as you're going to hear me. He was just, you know, berating me as always and just saying awful things and making me as on and I, you know especially now maybe back then I was more you know apt to be uncomfortable just making me as uncomfortable as I could be and I think he made me cry at one point and he said it's okay because and I quote tears make good lube and at that point I thought ladies and gentlemen <laughs> this will never make it to air but it did and people to this day are like, how could he say that to you? And I'm like, he's actually, honestly, he's a really brilliant person. He's a very well-educated, intelligent mm -hmm. person. And it was funny. But I thought, there's no way in hell they're going to air this. And they did. Mm -hmm. Are you saying Bubba is intelligent? Yeah. I that, Yeah, we mm -hmm. want to edit that out. All right, <laughs> so time stamp. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> RJ's on it. Well, we do there have a go. button. But no, you know what? No, uh, he's a great dude. But... uh. You, your, your, you, you guys' interactions were uh, absolutely phenomenal, and I love that shit. I, th it's funny because I always say because my favorite thing to do is to ask people, okay, like in in term in to quote Robbie E, hey, who are we burying? But I would I say to people like, who who are the nicest wrestlers you've met, especially at TNA, and they would say this one, that one, and people you assume. And then I go, well, who wasn't that nice? And people so often, which he grins at, if you ever tell him this, and I have told him this, who was like who was not nice and who seemed grumpy and whatever. It's always him. But somehow I must have gotten through some loophole to like, he thought I was pretty funny. And like me, Velvet, there were a few where he was like, you're okay. But have that stamp of approval. I don't know how, but I think that's why the chemistry was so much fun because it was like, he knew I wasn't ever going to really be offended. It was just for shock value. And it was just a fun juxtaposition of this big, scary dude. And then me who was like, you know, 18 at the time, this little timid interviewer, you know, just trying to get my, my facts straight. And it was it was a fun fun time. Nice. All right. So we next question comes from WWE Master two thousand eighteen. He asks, uh, "Do you have any memories of Kurt Angle almost giving you an a the uh, ankle lock, and also uh, memories about the black hole slam, uh, which from Abyss that I, I remember you getting an injury from? Correct? No." No, only my no. pride was hurt in that demonstration. Uh, <laughs> no, I I literally always tell people, and I'm like, I don't want to. I, I don't know if I should say this because I don't want it to like you know ruin Kate Kiz Fizz for God's sake. <laughs> Doing the black hole slam, and I was that was like my first couple times, you know, in years in TNA. Um, it was so much fun, and I remember feeling like the whole like the 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 whoosh of the air and being like, wee. I didn't say we because that would have been unprofessional. But it felt like I was placed on a meadow of clovers. It was the most beautifully soft, marshmallow-esque landing I have ever. And I've done a lot of different moves. I've taken pile drivers from Scoot Andrews. I've done a lot of crazy stuff. Chair shots to the face from Francine. This was like I was gently placed with like an angel whisper. It was so soft and lovely. And I love, I call him Krabis, Chris Abyss, Krabis. I love mm. that man. And then the Kurt Angle stuff, I mean, again, I was telling you guys earlier, like Kurt Angle was my like top 
Rushmore of, I mean, my gosh. So uh, that was just incredible to work with him. And he was, he is a very strong dude, but like, so it was, you know, it was forceful, but um, it was just cool to think I'm on, I'm on the same TV screen as Kurt Angle. Like what is life? It's like, if you were an actress and you decided to get to, you know, you, you got an opportunity to work with Meryl Streep or De Niro. Like that to me was like, I don't know what's going to, I'm done. I could, I could end here. It's Kurt Angle on the same screen as me. What is going on? Because not only is it someone that yes, has a great reputation in wrestling. He's a legend one of the nicest dudes ever. But for me, it was one of my personal favorites. So that's why it meant so much to me. I've never heard the word soft and delightful in one sentence. <laughs> it was, I, I thought you'd pop for marshmallow-esque. You can hashtag that now trending <laughs> on Twitter. There's a lot of there's a lot of fucking hashtags on this show. <laughs> and they're not, not they're not all safe for work. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, don't don't throw that in your Google machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't give that a goog. Uh, well, and I'm gonna be saying that now too. That they'll, they'll be uh yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna a little comment here because uh you took the the black hole slam from Abyss and you described how how it was. Um do you think a lot of the reason why it felt that way to you was your body was so excited and pumped up and you actually landed a lot harder than you, I, you are? I, I, honestly, it was like, I remember thinking like, was that it? Like it was so, I don't know how this man protected me so much, but it was literally the, the most, I swear to God, it felt like he just like placed me down like with a prayer. It was so soft and, and it was like, you know, you know, when like you're, you're like a, a four-year-old and like you fall asleep and your parents like carry you to bed and just gently, that's how it felt. And the only reason I asked that, and again, not to make this about me, the first bump I ever took on television, I don't, uh, the 747 from the one man gang, the front oh. face suplex. And I, I was so excited after taking it. I, I, I barely felt a thing, but the, all I could, all I could think in my head was lay here, do not move, lay here, do not move. Yeah. Don't move, don't move, don't move. You know what I mean? Yeah. I felt it a, a little while later, but. Yeah, no, I didn't feel a thing. And honestly, I, I think you're right. Maybe it's an adrenaline thing, but I generally remember being so surprised that I, it felt so like cushy and lovely. I, I don't know how he did. I don't know if maybe his arm was, I don't know. But I like that it, it looks so harsh and it looks so, you know, ferocious. But I just loved that I was a part of something that looked like, oh my God. I, and I will say, we were talking about me like loving being a heel. I do love that kind of damsel in distress moment where it's shocking. Like we have people like at Progress Wrestling, who I work for full time here, where like they'll, they'll, you know, take advantage of the crew. And there was a moment where they took advantage of someone who was like a really small framed person. And it's just like, how would they do that? That's some of the things I miss from wrestling where it's like a story where he's putting his hands on an untrained person, you know, that's like the, you know, little sweet one that's just trying to hand him an award and boom, lights out. But again, marshmallows and rainbows. Cool. Hmm. So I have, um, I have created, now here's what I do. Um, when I have a guest on, on, the, on, on my show, I'll typically go through things if I've had experiences with them and enjoyed their time. Um, and I did that this week as well. And I have guests and I have special guests. Now, all my guests are special guests, but I have special, special guests. And you're a very special, special guest to me. Oh, thank you. Well, and I, and I mean that because there's there's several of you that I've had on here that are just special, special guests. And you just are in that, that, that list. Yeah. With that list being said, I made a list. Okay. I, I made a list. And I need you to be 100% honest because... <laughs> 
we used to do this list. Me and you used to go oh. down this. And we named things. We, at that point in time at TNA, we had 12 pay-per-views a year. We sure did. And they all had names, obviously. Uh-oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> now, before I ask you for our recreated names, I would like to go down the list of these before we name these lists. So we had Genesis, Lockdown, Slammiversary, Bound for Glory, Turning Point, Final Resolution, Against All Odds. Oh, my God, I can't wait to get to that one. Um, <laughs> Destination X. Sacrifice, Victory Road. Oh my God! Oh, <laughs> wait! Do you hear the next one, Val? Oh gosh. Hard justice. Of course, <laughs> that that one doesn't need to be touched at all. Maybe touch and it. Maybe touch it a little. Wink, wink. You know what I mean? <laughs> Terrible. And, and no surrender. So I'm going to begin down this list, and I would like you to put into our vocabulary the names of the new name pay-per-views that we used to do oh, value yeah and i i just said i don't really curse on camera but it's you and i love you and we're gonna do it and i'll tell you what we're not gonna name names of people that contributed to this list but we're gonna tell you that the road is a lonely tiresome place and sometimes your mind wanders and you make up weird things and that's what we did i was privileged to name i think one maybe two but 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 tell me which ones um i did uh anniversary. okay i'm gonna look out the, the ones that you did you you take them because i i might even there's some that have like double ones it's okay we, we, we'll we'll go all right ready so we're gonna start out with genesis okay do you remember what it is i don't i think <laughs> this is this is it starts off very childish pretty sure it was genitals <laughs> <laughs> there's that <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it was as well. Yep. Now we have, oh God. Now we have, <laughs> I'm so happy. Now we have, now we have lockdown. <laughs> and she's fit. I oh, can't wow. <laughs> say that one on camera. The first letter was changed. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I think, I think I figured it out. It, it was called. Cock, it was called cock down. Uh, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> In a very hard steel cage. <laughs> bondage. Yeah. We now have Slammiversary. Okay, I remember this one, and it is. I, I feel like someone else came up with it, but you tell me what you came up with. It might have been you. Oh, I'll be honest with you. I, I, um, I think it was Jackiversary. No. <laughs> this one is even worse than the last. And I think it was this that came up. <laughs> Slammiversary then became Slammer Pussery. And that is not something I should be saying on here. <laughs> but oh. I just did. <clears throat> I had something else in mind, but I won't go there. <laughs> These are up for debate, bro. No, <clears throat> Jimmy. Get on the list. What was it? I, was, I, was, I thought it was going to be something along the lines of Slutiversary. Okay, that was also yeah, that works. That... Judges, yes, it's accepted. Yeah. Okay, and point. Mm -hmm. Now I know you oh named this. God. I know you named this one. This was good. 
Bound for glory. <laughs> <laughs> this is a double barrel. And I will be on. Well, see, I don't want to say who told me. Remember I said I was under the tutelage of someone who was he he was the funniest. We had like animal names for people like Triple Ape and Gale Chimp. We I don't know. We just got weird <laughs> with his names at one point. Again, the road's a weird place. Um, the soundstage at Universal was a weird place. Bound for Glory had <laughs> multiple contributions. <laughs> Uh, there is first of all bound <laughs> no wonder i got more sangria for this there is <laughs> there is there is there's <laughs> there's bound and gagged for glory <laughs> and then the ever popular bound for glory whole <laughs> Oh my God. Wow. Which is the most prestigious pay per view of the year for us. We are classy. <laughs> or, oh. we, we are only four pay per views. This is so not okay. <laughs> so, two of the best, honestly. Slammer, Slammer, you know whatery I can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip past a couple. Okay. I'll tell you what they are. I'll, I'll go real fast. Which is right. not the name of the paper view. <laughs> because the next one, number five, is is easy. Okay, okay, all right, here we go. I, I'll I'll stay true to form. Turning point. That what did you have in mind there, Jimmy K? Uh burning joint. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I think that, that was that was one of the not so funny ones. I remember being someone said turn her point. I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it works. Turn her point. I don't know what that even means. All right. So, Jimmy, Jimmy, you out name what you want to name. Just think sex. Oh. We didn't with like anything else. We, we oh, just went. Okay. Okay. We went straight there. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. Final resolution. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know that one. That's one I don't know. I could think of some horrible ones, but no, I don't remember anyone saying anything about that one. Final resolution. It's, it's making me cringe thinking what it could be. I don't know. Final something. I mean, you do the math. <laughs> Awful. God, we're okay. savages. We, we, could, we could skip that unless Jimmy has one. Uh, I do, but I, don't, I, I regret saying it. So, <laughs> Jimmy. Final ejaculation. Bingo. <laughs> it rolls right off the tongue, depending on which DVD you're watching. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. you, you, usually what? you have to pay. Usually you have to pay extra for that part of the movie. Oh, so. boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that might have been what it was, Val. Finally, I think Jack it might have been, yeah. But that that's a word. Listen, I've said some horrible words here tonight. I ain't saying that one. Okay. Between, between me and Jesus. Nobody's going to judge I, you. I got to go to church on Sunday. Holy I God. know. What a burn up. <laughs> yeah. Confession's going to be fun this week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck editing, RJ. Good luck. Yeah. This is all staying in. I'm not editing a damn thing out of this. Yeah. <laughs> you said at the beginning of the show you were wearing Stacey Keebler skirts at 15. Now stop. I mean, this is getting, yeah, we're getting nitty and gritty. Which okay. should have been tag team name, by the way. <laughs> right. Right, right. There you go. Nitty and gritty coming to the ring. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Against all odds. <laughs> Do you know that one? Yes. You know that one? You, know? you tell them. No, 
No. It's against all rods. <laughs> it's so stupid. I love it so much. I like to think I'm sophisticated in some ways. Listen, I've been to the Louvre like three times. I hate it. But when it comes oh, to this, geez. I can't. I'm just, yeah. Oh, boy. That's okay. oh. I'm laughing so hard. I'm icy stars. Oh, God. <laughs> I have never laughed this hard on a podcast in my life. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. oh, sweet mother Mary. Oh, can we get through it? <laughs> okay. Well, you got four, you got five more, so. Oh, oh my sorry. God. All right. It's Desti- been a hard year. <laughs> yeah, right? All right. Destination X. That was easy. Destination sex. I mean, you know, that, that took no, <laughs> took no, no. thinking. Can, can, it writes itself. It writes right. itself. A lot of wrestling pay-per-views in terms, though, because they try to be so extreme, always spelled with an X. I'm like, what's with wrestling and X's? So there you go, triple X. Uh, They are very, like, you know, testosterone, phallically, you know, swayed. So these aren't, these aren't difficult. Okay, well, I I, I mean, shit, all right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sacrifice. (laughs) Do you remember this one? Do you remember this one? Yes. You don't. No. So, this is this one's so stupid. Instead of sacrifice, it was sucker face. <laughs> <laughs> Suck her face. That's just kids. Uh, That's just a foreplay pay per view. It's easy. Well, there you go. Hey, it's you know. Yeah. That's tame. We're actually getting to the last three, which are actually all really good. All right, ready? Okay. Um, Victory Road. <laughs> Let me tell you that I used, and I'll never forget the feeling of what how I felt during, it wasn't live. It was, you know, I used to do Weber World, but Mike Weber would be, and he's another person. Oh my gosh, did so much for me and Mike. You're so amazing. Um, I didn't know about this list, by the way, he's going to now. Uh, we, we were doing an interview backstage promoting Victory Road. Val, and hey, I had talked about this, sorry? Val, let's, let's go back for a second. Let's, let's explain to our listeners who Mike Weber is so they know. Mike, Mike Weber. Weber is, yeah, he was the VP of marketing with TNA. He was in WCW and WWE. He's uh, the COO of Fight TV. He's a tremendous dude. And I don't know that he was privy to this list. He probably didn't even hear the slip that I made. But as I'm interviewing someone, I'm so used to cracking up with Beheb and Borash and people that would contribute to this list and just giggling backstage about stuff like this, that I literally had to take a retake because I pronounced it victory load. on camera thank god not live but i was so used to calling it this dumb name that said it on camera my my most professional moment this is great this is great oh my god it's great okay um um, uh this one's kind of obvious hard justice (laughs) i think it writes itself (laughs) if you were a porn director and you were making a movie and it was about wrestling or like, or maybe like a legal theme. That's what I would call it. Doesn't need anything. Yeah, there you did go. We ever, did you ever add to it, Behead, or no? Um, oh, no. Um, hard just fit. <laughs> 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 or maybe like super hard. I don't know. Rock hard. I don't wow. Know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good Jim- lord. For life, he's never going to be a ghost again. Oh, yeah. No, no this, is, this is this. 
I, I, I'm just trying to figure out why we didn't come up with stuff like this in WWE. We had. I was going to say, were, were, were we the raunchy company? <laughs> Is this what we're <laughs> surmising here? Oh, God. Val, I've worked in many companies and promotions. I think we were the raunchy company, yeah. Oh, I'm kind of loving that for us. <laughs> I, I, I'm got to be like proud to be part of it. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last on the list. Last on the list. No surrender. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this one? <laughs> I think... I almost feel like I did a pay-per-view that was because we used to do shows with women's extreme wrestling that were like, we didn't know even know at the time that they were like splicing in naughty scenes. We were just doing an indie show and they had a lot of like kind of porn stars on it. But, you know, we're just there doing wrestling. I was working with Francine. I was thrilled. We didn't realize it was so seedy. And uh, it might have been there might have been people who called this, but no surrender therefore became ho rear enders. And that, my friend, <laughs> is how you round out the year. You end on a good note. Literally. Uh, yeah. Or whatever's available. <laughs> you got to put, put that exclamation point on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was no an all-female pay-per-view. You know? Hoes, all, hoes, right. all, all hoes, no bros. Uh, so we're going to trade, call, talk to the trademark guy and do that? Okay, got Perfect. it. Okay, there we go. Oh, those all are right. Fun. I love those. Do you remember mm. we, have, we were doing like we would come up with like, oh, that might be too much for the show. But like, you know how the people like especially like college dudes come up with like names of like sex acts that are like, oh yeah, like the the, the something something or whatever. And we would come up with ones that were nothing. Like, oh yeah, last night I gave her the old Mississippi mud pie, but the what? Or like, yeah, I gave her the old Tallahassee turnbuckle. And the greatest thing about it is we come up with the weirdest stuff, just stuff that sounded like something but wasn't anything. And the, the beautiful, most beautiful part of it is some of the wrestlers, I will not name them, would come up and be like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I know. Yeah, I know, I know what that is. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. And we're like, we just made it up five minutes ago. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Kind of like a girl. Kind of like a girl. Like, what are you into? Oh, girl, just run through the garden. Run through the garden. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my God. It's so awesome. Oh. <laughs> weed out who the cool people are who like the, the, the real tryhards and it's like we literally just came up with Tallahassee Turnbuckle it doesn't mean I don't know what you think it means or if you think you've done it before in college but it's not a thing it just makes us giggle and that's literally it yeah that's um, it that's it yeah that's it the old parsnip know what I mean yes absolutely it's nothing <laughs> so another another I, I, I didn't mean to take over the fucking show Oh, um, yeah, that's all right. But I, I, I've got another one. I've got another one. And this is not a pay-per-view one. This is you got to think about this because I've got one. If you want to turn the question around to me, you can do the same. So, who got on your nerves the most working at TNA? Whether it was a male, a female talent, or just crew? I'll spit somebody's fucking name out too if you want. Just fucking. Okay. Just bury that fucker. Come on. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> Do you really know who I'm gonna say? Oh gosh, she disappeared. Yeah. I'm not going there though. I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go with who I think you're talking about. Hmm. Uh God. Annoyed me. All right. Well 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 that not that you paid him or anything like that. Just got on your nerves. Just got on your nerves. Mm, got on my nerves. 
I'm trying to think people who who really weren't that nice. Alex Shelley wasn't very nice. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> never right. very nice. I, I don't I don't think he, he was ever rude to me. Per, well, he just wasn't my he wasn't my cup of tea. I don't know if I was his cup cup of tea. He just was very distant and was blah. Sorry, bro. Sure, I'll see him one time. And be like, you were blah. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. Like, okay. we're friends. I don't, I don't have anything against him, but he just wasn't like a jovial. I'm a very bubbly person, and some people aren't like that. And he was just not that dude. It's like a there's gotcha. a few dudes in person like that where you're just like we don't you're not my kind of dude and i'm not your kind of person i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna be inviting you over for tea is what i'm saying yeah rj do you have uh one of those questions from the 18 that that one kid asked wait but we um, have you didn't say yours oh i was trying to get away from that does do they wear mm. a certain article of clothing yes they did <laughs> okay mm. <laughs> yeah hmm God, the show is the best. Okay. Wow. So, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. Well, you <laughs> kind of answered the first one he asked. Um, so I'm not going to ask that one, but uh, Ryan Slee says, or asks, excuse me, would you like to a uh, return to mainstream T T or excuse me, mainstream television in wrestling? If so, where could uh, you see SoCal Vale ending up AEW, WWE or back in TNA? I mean, I, I love that people ask me that a lot. And I think it's really nice that people would want to see like, hey, I haven't seen you on TV and blah, blah, blah. But like, honestly, number one, it's geographically undesirable. You know, it, unless they plan on filming in England, it's just not, mm -hmm. it's not a thing. And truthfully, like, I love what I'm doing now. I love that I'm doing some things outside of wrestling just because it kind of broadens my, you know, interests and things like that. Um, and I've worked for WWE a couple of times here and there doing extra work. I don't know if that really counts. But Impact, I love. I love, you know, what they're doing right now. AEW, um, you know, there's some people there that I love. I love Jericho. I love so many people that are there. Um, but, I mean, the WWE thing was something that I never really was contracted for, never worked full-time for. So that was never something that actually panned out. So if I could choose one, I mean, yeah. And I thought for a while, you know, WWE had NXT in the UK for a bit. I thought, this is kind of an interesting fit that I'm here, and now they have a WWE promotion where I live. Um, I don't know what's going on with NXT Europe, but I always thought like that would be an interesting kind of full circle moment that I grew up a WWE fan. I, I watched a bit of WCW. Impact Wrestling wasn't around. TNA wasn't around when I first started watching wrestling. So me being a WWE true and true fan, um, that's kind of one of those boxes you go, that'd be kind of cool to kind of ride that wave for a bit. But again, I live in England and and it just doesn't make any sense to work anywhere mainstream that I'd have to fly in, you know, every week. Come on. I don't even sleep on planes. It would be terrible. But I appreciate the question. So so why do you live in England as opposed to living in the United States for your wrestling career? So I met my husband around 2013, 14. And uh, he is from, we live about a half hour north of London. So he's British. Mm -hmm. I have a sister over there as well. My mom visits like, and actually weirdly I have two sisters. One sister was studying in England. The other one has lived there for like 15 years. So we all sort of kind of weirdly migrated over there. But yeah, my husband's British. And, you know, I do love being in Europe and so close to going to places in Europe. I love going to France, huge Francophile. Love that Europe is kind of on my doorstep. For that reason, it really does suit me. The weather suits me. I hate sunshine. I hate real air. Hate it all. So Orlando's weather, I hate, but it's not home, you know. But it's, okay. but for my husband, I mean, listen, it's, you do, you do crazy things for love, but it's, it's paid off. Yeah. Real quick question. I, I, I'm not familiar with who your husband is. I'm not asking for his name or anything, but is he in the business? And if not, how does he feel about you being in the business? Great question. No, he's a total sieve to borrow a Jinder Mahal. <laughs> 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 
Don't you love that phrase, Behab? Like one day he was like, yeah, I'm dating this girl. She's a civ. And I go, she's a what? He like, he's like, she's not in the business. She's a civilian. I was like, you are hilarious. He's so funny. Um, he's a civ. He knew of wrestling. And then weirdly enough, he met MVP. I met him doing a comic con. They took us to his gastro pub he owned at the time. And he, um, Steve Linsky, who's a referee in the UK, would hire people like me and people from the States to come over and do signings and things like that. So he brought MVP over to meet my husband, Alan. He's been on Gaw before. He's a restaurateur business. He's not in wrestling at all. Um, and he uh, met MVP years before he met me, which is weird because I've known MVP since I was 16 years old doing shows with him in South Florida. So he met a couple of people that I knew before me. Um, so, but yeah, but he's not, he, he watches wrestling when I'm kind of involved. He comes to sh shows once in a while, but didn't really grow up like a proper wrestling fan. He had watched some of it like Mick Foley a lot, but like was not into wrestling, which is really refreshing. Obviously now he's surrounded by it a lot, but it's nice that he wasn't from that world because I have dated wrestlers and a lot of my friends are married to wrestlers, things like that. But for me, it really does make sense that he's not in it. I kind of do like that camaraderie. That's nothing to do with the business. Yeah. So, Val, here's what I want to do. Um, I want you to put over all your stuff. All. Okay. And then before, when you're done, I want you to hang on because I want to get you a free T-shirt and 100 bucks. Um, I'm fucking I mean, kidding. T-shirt. I don't know that. Just T-shirts. That's fabulous. Thank you so much. I actually have a T-shirt that's one of my hot sellers. It's called Ref It Up, Don't F It Up. Uh, I would be honored. I'll take a selfie in it, too. Oh, God. Will you cut the top of it off? Oh, I'm going to slut it up real nice. Don't worry. Okay, cool. cool. Slut it up. Yes. Don't fudge it up. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Here we go. There's another one. But no, go ahead and put over all your socials, all where they meet you, where they see you, all that oh, stuff. Oh, thank you. Um, okay, so definitely check out Grown Ass Women TV. Uh, it is myself, Mickey James, Lisa Marie Barron. We're on YouTube every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, we have an event coming up. We do it every year. It's going to be our fourth Dresselmania, which we get donations, mostly dresses from females in wrestling, but we get donations from all sorts of people in wrestling and outside of it. We're getting some sports people to donate, meaning like, you know, NFL, we're getting some really great products this year. We'll be revealing soon on the show who our charities this year. I think everyone's going to be very excited about it. And that's something that we love and do. And it's near to our hearts. I'm on Twitter at SoCalValerie, Instagram official SoCalVal. I've got OnlyFans, Patreon. I share a lot, pretty much daily on those sites as far as behind the scenes photo shoots, you know, I DM with people. It's a lot of fun. I'm very social in that way. So yeah, you can find me anywhere. And I, I really love social media. I use it as a very positive, fun thing. I don't take it too seriously. So yes, give a little shout out. Come see us. And we'll have both of the guys on the show. That'd be amazing on Gaw soon. Awesome. And, and don't forget about our referee week. Or what do we call it? Mania. There we go. There we go. Maybe we'll you... even have Stifler on. There. Hey, why not? Stippler's a why great not? dude. He's a good ref, man. I love him oh, I so thought... much. I knew him before when he was training to be a wrestler here in the Dudley School. He's one of my buddies, Brian Stiffler. We love him. So here's what we do. I need you to hang on, but we're going to close this out. I need you to hang on. Don't get off yet. But yes, we'll come back, pull our plugs all up, and let you know who's going to be our guest next week. Guys, I don't... Uh... I don't think I laughed as hard on any episode we've ever done for this show as this episode. Uh, so a big thank you to uh, SoCal Vale for joining us. It was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, not too many times have we been able to basically throw the format out the window, um, but we definitely did it uh, for this episode. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it was tremendous. Call, like you say, call it on the fly. <laughs> exactly.
<laughs> but I uh, just, go ahead, Brian. I, I just didn't save a lot of trees this week because, uh, yeah, the format was out the window right away. I mean, right yeah. away. He was only on for like two minutes, and all of a sudden the script went away. Yeah, and you know I what? And it, that's fine. It, but, but but you know what though? It was so fun. It was so like felt so good to like just relax and have a good time and just be like mm-hmm. bar and just hanging out. And that's that's her right man. Down. That's I had a great time. You know, yeah. I don't know how everybody else would feel, but you know what? I really don't care. I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> but something we all do care about is listening to one Mr. Jimmy Corderas each and every time he does his ref and rants. But Jimmy, ways people can hear those said call ref and rants and uh, get a hold of you. Uh, the, on my social media platforms, my ref and rant from Mondays to Fridays. It's only a minute long. It's a little critique that I like to make not to tear down as we talk about here but do tighten screws that i believe need to be tightened and we have i try to have a little fun with it as well as as opposed to being every once in a while i get a little animated but you know hey it happens and of course you can find me here every week talking with you guys i had a blast this week again like we always Mm -hmm. do but this week was really something special and of course if you want to catch me also on my uh podcasts uh monday nights and wednesday nights after raw and dynamite respectively on the wrestling inc podcast with my uh buddy justin labar there and uh that's about it awesome brian you keep uh you know you got that new phone you've been using it uh pretty regularly getting those uh instagrams or tweets or x's i know you're gonna yell at me for saying x's but i don't care um ways people can get a hold of you and Drill drill home to you. I'm I'm, I'm very simple um, in life and in general. Uh, at Baby Hebner on Instagram and Twitter. Um, or if you want to call it the fucking X, that too. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's all I got, man. I don't have all this other bullshit that everybody's got. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no doubt. Uh, but you can follow the show on both Instagram and the Twitter gimmick at Reffing It Up. Uh, go over and uh, we're also go over to the Instagram or excuse me, the Twitter and all our links are there as far as our uh, platforms around each and every platform. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, for following us as well. But next week is going to be another not miss episode as we will welcome in. Mr. Chris Sabin to the episode next week. Uh, Brian, gentlemen that you've worked very closely with uh, there at Impact, TNA, what have you. I, you know what? The heck with it. I'm calling it TNA. Um, but just looking forward to this coming up next week. I'm revealing nothing except I cannot freaking wait. What a great dude and fucking professional wrestler. Uh, yeah. Can't wait, man. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Looking forward to that. So, with that being said, for Mr. Jimmy Corderas, for Mr. Brian Hamler, I am RJ. We'll see you here next week here on Reffing It Up. One, two, three.